Oh, can we please talk about UFC Fight Night 204 or UFC London or whatever the hell you want to call it. It was a fantastic night of fights. It was really, really great. Hell of a lot better than Ankalaya versus Thiago Santos. I'll tell you that for nothing. Oh, yeah, just, just remember that. A few people have gotten a little bit upset. Either way, either way. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quick look at what happened at the weekend. Going to have a little peek at the news. Even got a, another viewer question, viewer topic to discuss, whatever you want to call it. Uh, pro probably involving Brock Lesnar again, I think. And um, yeah. So if all that sounds good, stay with me for the Burlocker episode 111. <laughs> Right, so the UFC 204, 204 re recap. This was an excellent event. It really was brilliant event. You got Jack Shaw versus Timur Valiev. Now Shaw didn't get the finish that I was after. I did. I did bet on the double uh, for the the TKO or the submission. But you know what? He looked really good all the same. He fought really hard. He fought a tough guy. Like. That was not an easy fight for Jack Shaw. Timur Valiev is very, very highly rated. And he is very, very skilled. One of those Dagestan-like wrestler guys. That's where he's from. Team Dagestan, right? Those, none of those guys are a picnic. So the fact that Jack Shaw was able to continue his winning streak. 16 fights unbeaten, I believe that is now. That's pretty good. I, I was telling you beforehand, Jack Shaw, you wouldn't be get, he was an underdog going into that. You're not getting that very often. And that was just a testament to how tough Timur Valiev really is. And it was a really good technical fight that went you know back and forth. But Jack Shaw, for me, was the clear winner. And he did a great job. Nikita Krylov versus Paul Craig. I mean, when is Paul Craig going to get some respect from those bookies? He keeps getting kind of doubted at every single turn. The bookies always have him like at plus five to one to get the submission. And I will take it every single fucking time because look at what he did. It was... And what he did was calculated as well. That's the thing. People think, oh, well, no, he's just catching these like random triangles. It's like, no, not random. No, calculated. You watched him. You watched him do it. Like he was really timing... The shots from the ground, like he, it was very clever actually. When you watch him, like yeah, he's taking some shots, but he's actually almost like his head movement off of his back whilst he's on his back on the floor was allowing him to time Krylov um, striking from the top, and he timed the shot perfectly, blocked it, caught the arm, put that triangle on so fast, and there was no way out for Krylov, and it was a sensational submission. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And uh, you know what? Keep him as the underdog, because I'll keep betting on him all day. Meatball Molly sent that chick to the dark realm, didn't she? Good lord. Go back and watch that knockout. Meatball Molly McCann at the weekend. Like a lovely spinning kind of reverse elbow. And wow, that was the shadow realm. She was gone. Gonzo. Hats off to Meatball Molly McCann. I always love watching her fight, because she goes out there she just swings. She's entertaining. She's, she's just a very entertaining fighter. Good for her. Paddy Pimlet against Rodrigo Vargas. Now, I said that we would see Paddy go to, go to what his strengths are, go to what brought him to the dance. And you know what? I was bang on the money. Um, a lot of my bets were pretty good this week, to be fair. And yeah, you know what? 
he struggled some, through some adversity again, but also on the flip side, he showed that he can get through adversity. Because one of the things that, like, a lot of people are slating him still, still saying, oh, well, you know, in both of his fights, he nearly got caught. It's only a matter of time. But if he hadn't gotten caught, like, you'd be asking, well, what, what happens when somebody catches him? Do you know what I mean? You literally can't win. Because it's like, well, Look, at the end of the day, that's two two fights, two exciting fights, two finishes as well. Fair play, Paddy Pimlet. Sky's the limit. I look forward to seeing him seeing him again soon. Now you've got Arnold Down against Dan Hooker. That was another really tough fight, to be fair. Dan Hooker, I mean, I had Dan Hooker winning this one. Not not disrespecting Arnold Allen, not in any way. Arnold Allen, I knew how good Arnold Allen was, but Dan Hooker is also, he's a really top-tier guy and he still is right people writing him off uh, are out of their minds it's just when you look at the strength of schedule that dan hooker has had it is absolutely crazy but you know what arnold allen just he swarmed in he got that finish it was absolutely brilliant and this is a very big win over a very dangerous opponent and it boosts arnold allen's uh, profile brilliantly and yeah I-, I look forward to seeing him again and the main event tom Aspinall, the hype is real. Good lord. Uh, and, and I was saying beforehand, like a lot of people were saying, this is this, this was a huge step up in competition for Tom Aspinall. Like, Alexander Volkov is no joke. He is so dangerous. You saw what he did to Alistair Overeem, shows how dangerous he is. But the speed of Tom Aspinall was just so impressive. Just absolutely, his speed on the feet, the speed of his takedowns was just ridiculous. He just looked like he was always in control. When he got to the ground, he made it look easy. He was so calm. He was so collective. And, you know, he was even just, like, looking up, listening to his corners, like, yep, okay, bash, bash, bash. And got in with that straight arm lock, and I had the submission. Ten to one you had on that submission. You're not getting that going forward, I'll tell you that for nothing. But I knew this could be a really good coming out party for Tom Aspinall, and boy, was it. I mean, people are saying, yeah, but put him against, like, Gunn or or, or Nganu or Tuivasa and yeah he's going to get back it's like look at the end of the day Volkov is that guy you've got to understand that Volkov is an extremely high level high ranked UFC heavyweight fighter that like Tom Aspinall looking at the way that he's been going there's no reason he can't beat any of those guys look at how fast that dude is he's so fast it's ridiculous and that kind of speed that's what's putting a real scare into people in the heavyweight division because a lot of the time they're like i can't really cope with this level of speed but yeah absolutely terrific stuff i have to say my bets like i I need to address this right my bets on the ufc 204 that they were they were not terrible ufc fight night 204 sorry my, my bets on ufc fight night 204 were not terrible at all there, and I can only humbly apologise for that. I know that my USP is that my bets are truly terrible, and there's and you know what? Look, I can only apologise. Sometimes you win a few, and yeah, I, I, I apologise about that. My bets this week will hopefully be back to their terrible form when I do something stupid like bet on Curtis Blades by TKO or something like that. I don't know, but either way. My apologies. I will try to be better going forward and I will try to make my bets just even more terrible. So, yeah, that was UFC Fight Night 204. That was really, really fantastic. And also, one thing I would like to just address just before I move on from UFC Fight Night 204. I've seen a lot of people commenting on, like, it basically, a lot, 
A lot of Americans, a lot, lot of you guys, a lot, lot, lot of you, you Yanks have been calling Dana White saying, uh, well, not calling Dana White, but just commenting saying, well, you know, the, the, every, every Brit on that card just got an easy opponent. It's like, excuse me? Ex easy opponents? Did you not see who Jack Shaw was fighting? Team Dagestan, all pro wrestler. Do you know what I mean? It, like, a really tough fighter. And actually, Jack Shaw was an underdog in that one. Do you know what I mean? Like, n nobody really had an easy... I mean, Paddy Pimlet was fighting somebody who was equivalent level. Because Paddy Pimlet's only in his second fight in the UFC. So what's the point in giving him, like, the absolute best in the division? That's That would be absolute bullshit. Like, Arnold Allen fighting Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker is awesome. And... Volkov was a huge step up in competition for Tom Aspel. So anybody saying that the the Brits all got given favourable matchups, I'm sorry, but you're out of your mind. You're out of your damn mind. You really are. Enough said about that, right? So let's move on. Uh, I would just like to thank all of you for watching. And if you could please like and subscribe as well, that would mean the world to me. Let me know things in the comments as well. If there are things that you would like to hear my thoughts on, if there are questions you would like to put in, bang them in the comments section and I will read them out. I will address them and I'll put some thought into it as well. And I'll try and make it as interesting as possible because that's, I love talking about mixed martial arts. That's what I love doing. I love, I love making jokes and I love talking about mixed martial arts. That's basically like all I do in, in my spare time. So yeah, like I said, like, subscribe, share. And uh, if you did want to go over and support me on the Patreon, I have a Patreon, the Burt Locker on Patreon, you get early access to the picks and you get exclusive content on there as well. So uh, yeah, just uh, thank you. And also, I look forward to your continued support. Thank you. Right, so in the news, biggest thing in the news, got Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal 2, apparently took place in Miami. Now, um, apparently what happened was, from, from reports, is that Masvidal basically ran up to Colby in a mask and blindsided him and, and just punched him a few times. He's now facing felony charges. He has been charged, right? And people are kind of saying, oh, you know, Colby's an absolute, like, pussy or whatever for, like, pressing charges. It's like, no, not really. Because, look, the pussy move here is having a 25-minute fight with somebody, getting bested by them, like, in every facet of that fight, right? Jorge had 25 minutes to plant one on Colby Covington. He nearly did, he nearly did, but he didn't get it done. And the time to do it was in the octagon. I know that he's the BMF and whatever, but... I don't think that putting a mask on and then running up while someone's not looking just to sock them in the face a few times, I don't know if that's the badass, bad motherfucker move that everyone seems to think it is. For me, that sounds like a pretty fucking cheap shot, honestly. And it's like, and he keeps on talking about how, like, oh, it's because... You know, Colby disrespected my my wife and my kids. It's like, Jorge, go back and listen to what you were saying again about Ben Askren. Talking about his wife and kid. Constantly. So it's kind of like, isn't this the pot calling the kettle black? Just just a smidge. Just a little bit. Those are my thoughts. Look, at the end of the day, it's all entertaining stuff. I'd watch that fight again if I thought for a second there'd be a different result. But meh. Anyway, so then we've got the Jake Paul tweet. And uh, look, he's put two, he's addressed two things on his tweet here. So uh, I agree with the first one. I agree, Masvidal could not get it done in 25 minutes. So look, he's trying to stay relevant to take cheap shots at Colby. And 
two again. He's talking. He's putting out all the all this percentage crap about the UFC like fighter pay and that. Now, I just want to say, look, I get what he's doing, and people that that, that think he just he doesn't really care about fighter pay. If he really cared about fighter pay, he would literally like, and he cares about boxing, right? Those are two things that he supposedly cares about. So why is he not fixing the pay in boxing? If you've seen the pay in boxing, for the most part, it is. Fucking atrocious. Most boxers leave their careers fucking with an empty wallet and an even emptier head. And that is a sad reality. And I'm telling you, the UFC pay, by comparison, is fucking ridiculously good. Like, there are a handful of boxers that get paid actual good money. You're taking a lot of risks. There have been way more deaths in boxing. The risks are actually probably an awful lot higher in boxing. And overall, they get paid less. Outside of those top, top, top earners, like they actually get paid less, but no one ever brings that shit up because it's it's far more it, more in vogue to have a guy like Dana White in the UFC. You'll get far more views by creating a feud with Dana White in the UFC, and that is what Jake Paul is doing. And I respect the hell out of it because I do the same thing. I am literally only mentioning Jake Paul's tweet because this clip will now get about three, four hundred times more views than any other clip that I do. So he is using Dana White and the UFC's platform to get views, just like I am using Jake Paul's name to get views on a much smaller scale, I might add. But hey, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I actually really like Jake Paul. I'm a huge fan, so I just hope he keeps doing what he's doing. But don't get it twisted. He's doing it for the views. If he really cared about fighter pay, he'd be actually fixing... Uh, you know, places where there is fighter pay issues, and that is in the lower tiers of boxing, because when you've got people leaving their careers, leaving the ring with less than 500 bucks in their hand, and they're getting, you know, that that level of punishment, it's just, yeah, that that's... A, I, I'm not saying that's a problem, because look, at the end of the day, they know that they know what they're signing up for. But the, the, the fact that he's just doing it by taking shots at the UFC is just 100% about views, and that is it. So, viewer question... Uh, my good friend Uga, how are you doing, buddy? You're good. I hope you're well. Anyway, how would Prime Brock Lesnar do in the UFC against the current heavyweights? Now, that's an interesting question because I assume what you're meaning is uh, pre-diverticulitis Brock Lesnar. Because when you look at how Brock Lesnar was performing before he got sick, like when you look at his peak performance, UFC 100 against Frank Mir, that was a pretty scary individual. Yes, I know, he was probably pumped full of steroids. I would add, though, that Lesnar passed all those drug tests. Like, that was pre-USADA, admittedly. But a lot of people will kind of go, like... Cause, so let's take it, like... Let's take it with a, with as it is. Like, Lesnar, he failed, like, a drug test after fighting Mark Hunt. But he didn't fail any before that point. So why is everyone... So, and, People always just point at Brock Lesnar and say, yeah, but you steroids the whole time. It's like, yeah, him and everybody fucking else. Like, back around that time, in UFC 100 sort of times, that was the Wild West. Everyone was using steroids. Frank Mir has served a ban for using steroids. After the fight with fucking Alistair Overeem, Alistair Overeem tested 14 to 1 epitestosterone to testosterone levels. And a fail, an Olympic fail, is 4 to 1. He tested 14 to 1. That is not all horse meat, Alistair. 
Joey, when you look at what Alistair looked like in that Brock Lesnar fight, you are not telling me that dude was not juiced to the gills as well, if not more than Brock Lesnar. Also, Brock got tested before that fight, passed it, and then, like, what, a few weeks later, I think Overeem failed that test. I don't really understand how that fight wasn't overturned as a no contest. It was because one failed a test, and it wasn't Brock Lesnar. So, anyway, going back to the original point. Sorry, I got, I got off topic. How would Brock do... Full-on UFC 100 Brock against current UFC heavyweights. Well, the thing is, a lot of people will just jump straight on and say, no, he'd get creamed. He'd get creamed because he was shit. He's a, he's a fake-ass wrestler and all that. Those guys are idiots, right? I'm not, I'm not even addressing those guys because, they're not, they're, because they don't even know what they're saying, right? Bottom line is, yes, he was in the WWE, but... You know, if he'd have come straight from the NCAA, like where it was a two-time Division One All-American, do you know what I mean? It, like, it, there would have been so much hype behind him still, like, and he would have come in a lot younger. But let's just stick with UFC 100 Prime Brock Lesnar. How does he match up against current UFC heavyweights? Well, the thing is, is like people would say, oh, well, you know, Brock doesn't, he's got, he hasn't got a chin. That's not strictly true, actually. He doesn't like getting hit, I'll give you that, but there's a lot of people that don't really like getting hit, so they're not necessarily fighters, but it's, it's not that he's got a bad chin, because he wore those shots against Shane Carwin. People will, again, they always go, oh, that fight should have been stopped. It's like, not really, because he was actually intelligently defending himself the entire time. He was never out, and every time the referee asked him to improve his position, he did so. And then Carwin had nothing left in the second round, and Lesnar won that fight. So credit to Lesnar for that one. And that was actually not prime Lesnar. That was not UFC 100, Brock. Jerome, that was not... Pre-diverticulitis Brock. Pre-diverticulitis Brock was a real scary, scary human being. He got so you watch those shots. He's landing on Frank Mir, UFC 100, right? Because he gets him on all fours against the cage and he punches him like under his armpit, and, and you see Frank's head just snapping upwards, and it's frightening. And then he gets up and he's snarling and drooling through the cage. He's shoving Frank Mir still. Yeah, you know, it, it was it was a brilliant spectacle. It really was. But that Brock Lesnar was a scary, scary human being. And when you look at what Stipe was able to do to, to Nganu, there is an argument maybe that he could that Brock, someone the size and strength of Brock and with the wrestling acumen would have possibly exposed that wrestling uh, defensive hole for Nganu. But the problem with that is I still maintain that in this Stipe Miocic uh, Nganu one fight, the reason that that Stipe was able to use the wrestling was because he tired Nganu out by making him miss first. Now, would Lesnar be able to make Nganu miss like that? I don't actually think that he had the head movement or the kickboxing to be able to do that. So that could have really, like, you know, that could have been a problem because you, you take a shot off of Nganu and it's, it's probably the only one you're going to take. So, but I wouldn't necessarily write Lesnar off in that fight because, again, you know, it's Stipe, he's a very good wrestler, but he hasn't got the size and the the, the freak athleticism that Brock Lesnar's got. You watch those shots, those uh, the, the, the way that Lesnar shot him for a takedown, UFC 100 Lesnar shooting him for a takedown was fucking frightening. John, you watch what he did to, uh, to Heath Herring. He, just, he, he was just, literally, the way he moved on the ground was actually really impressive. Just, he was so quick. John, you've got like a 300-pound guy 
guy who moves like a cat. No, not dissimilar to Tom Aspinall. Uh, Tom Aspinall, actually. That, that was the most impressive thing for me. It's just the speed of that kid. Anyway, back on topic. Sorry. Back on topic. So I think, yeah, okay, look, if, if Nganu lands one on Lesnar, I think then, yeah, obviously that's going to be a, a problem. But it's a problem for anyone, not just for Lesnar. But if Lesnar was to just, you know, was to just go in and just be so fast, grab that double leg and put Francis on his back, I don't know what Francis does there. I don't think he has a good time. Because UFC 100 Brock on top of you, landing those big fucking lunchbox fists like and just the way he delivered ground and pound was really impressive go back and watch that it was just it was just horrible like he's holding frank mir's head above his own head with with one arm and he's like he's he's holding his one arm with his armpit and he's grabbing the other wrist with one arm leaving that hand free and they're not like fight ending punches but they're horrible you can see him literally changing the shape of mir's face as he's just digging these punches in but he's holding Frank's, both of Frank's hands with one arm. Do you know what I mean? It was like a schoolyard bully type thing. But yeah, so that would be, and again, Cyril Garn, like it, it, he got taken down at will by Francis Ngannou. I would say that actually Lesnar is probably a better wrestler than Francis Ngannou. I don't think I'm out of my mind in saying that, especially UFC 100 Lesnar. UFC 100 Brock, as basically, in a nutshell, what I'd say is, uh, you know, if UFC 100 Brock, he would be, he would definitely pro like pose some problems for those top guys in in the UFC's heavyweight division. Now, would he, you know, win those fights? You know, that that's another question entirely. But you know what? It's like, but what I would say that look, looking at the fighting styles, there are avenues to victory there, especially like I said, if it was UFC 100 Brock. Like prime Brock, you know, they, they, he, yes, he wasn't the most well-rounded fighter in the world, but what he executed was really good, really powerful stuff. And if he gets on top of anybody, that is a bad night. That's what she said. Anyway, moving on. So yeah, let's get on to the trolls of the week. Trolls of the week. So we've got, yeah, we've got this one. Uh, yeah. But this one combines uh, the US office and AMA. It's like, and this one, I do feel this one because what I do, oh, I'm terrible. I'm so inconsistent with my jujitsu. I go for a bit and then I have some time off and I'll go back. It's like when you return to the mats after taking some time off due to an injury, it's not an injury. Oh, actually, to be fair, I have, been, I have had a, quite a lot of injuries, in fairness. But a lot of the time, it's just finding the time. But either way, I feel this all the time. It's like, yeah, when you're looking to return to the mats after taking some time off due to injury, yeah, no question about it. I'm ready to get hurt again. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's a good one. And then we've got Dana White trying to save John Jones' career. This one is after Meatball Molly McCann took, just blasted that chick into the dark realm. You've got Dana White trying to resuscitate John Jones' career. And John Jones is just like, whoop! <laughs> just, oh, he's just all the way out there. Oh, I fucking love that. And then you've got the last one. Because Tom Aspinall was the man of the hour, I decided to find one. It's, it's been doing the rounds. You've seen it before. You know what I'm talking about. But we've mentioned Frank Mir in this episode a lot as well. It's like, they, they actually do look fairly... So, well, to be fair, it's just the hair and the facial hair and very slightly in the, bar, in the build. It's just, look, they don't look exactly the same. But there's like enough of a similarity there that makes this meme funny. So you've got, you know, to, 
Toby Maguire putting on his glasses, just like, and you've got Frank Mir sitting there. When they're on, it's Tom Aspinall. Right? And hey, no, that's, that's, that's not a bad comparison at all because they're both submission wizards as well and they're both big guys. I'm really interested to see how, how Tommy Aspinall progresses because I think the sky's the limit personally. But yeah, that's what we've got time for this week and uh, I will be doing my normal picks. Uh, I think, who the fuck is Curtis Blades fighting? Look, we'll find out this week anyway. Until next time, keep those odds long and those bets terrible. <laughs>